I'll be reading from Psalm 33, starting at verse 1. Shout for joy in the Lord, O you righteous. Praise befits the upright. Give thanks to the Lord with the lyre. Make melody to him with a harp of ten strings. Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully on the strings with loud shouts. For the word of the Lord is upright, and all his work is done in faithfulness. He loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of the steadfast love of the Lord. By the word of the Lord the heavens were made, and by the breath of his mouth all their host. He gathers the waters of the sea as a heap. He puts the deeps in storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spoke and he came to be. He commanded and it stood firm. The Lord brings the counsel of the nations to nothing. He frustrates the plans of the peoples. The counsel of the Lord stands forever. The plans of his heart to all generations. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. The people whom he has chosen as his heritage. The Lord looks down from heaven. He sees all the children of man. From where he sits enthroned, he looks out on all the inhabitants of the earth. He who fashions the hearts of them all and observes all their deeds. The king is not saved by his great army. A warrior is not delivered by his great strength. The war horse is a false hope for salvation. and By its great might, it cannot rescue. Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him, on those who hope in his steadfast love, that he may deliver their soul from death and keep them alive in famine. Our soul waits for the Lord. He is our hope and our shield, for our heart is glad in him, because we trust in his holy name. Let your steadfast love, O Lord, be upon us, even as we hope in you. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we cannot thank you enough and praise you enough that we can be here this morning. Again, to sit under your word and allow your word and the Holy Spirit to minister to our hearts, to comfort us, to encourage us, to maybe rebuke us, correct us, but also to train us in righteousness. Help us, Father, to listen. Help us to, to listen with ears that want to be doers of your word. Help us to, to not only rely on a Sunday sermon, but also, Father, I pray that during the week we would rest in your word Rest in praying to you and just rest in you and trust you with our lives. Help me now, Father, to be clear and understood and help us all, Father, to hear what you have to say to our hearts. Father, I also want to just thank you for Robertson Reformed Community Church. I want to thank you for how you've sustained us, how you've kept us together even when we were not here. Thank you for your sovereignty, your providence. Thank you for your sustaining power, your controlling power. Everything is allowed because you will. And I thank you for that, Father. And please comfort us. Father, yes, there's some folk here that have lost some friends, family, loved ones close to them that have, might have 
died of COVID or died of another way, may you comfort them. May you encourage them. May they be built up in Christ and may they also find your word comforting so they can comfort those around them as well. You are the God of all comfort, Father, and we know you bring afflictions into our life so we can comfort those with the same afflictions. So I thank you, Father. And also thank you for, for sparing those, for healing those that have had this virus or have been ill in some other way. We just thank you for your kindness. You are the great physician. You know us better than what we know ourselves. I just thank you for all that you've done in our lives. Thank you how you've kept us. Thank you for the elderly folk that are here. Please continue to protect us from this virus. Those with life-threatening illnesses that are here, please protect them as well. If it's your will, Father, yes, your will be done, not mine. But keep, keep us safe as we go forward from our different meetings and from Sunday to Sunday. Be merciful to us. As we look back, we want to thank you for your protection. We want to thank you for your kindness, your goodness, your care, that you were gracious to us when we opened in September and we got through to the end of December. We just thank you. Thank you for your good right hand over this church. And I pray that you would continue to keep us in the palm of your hand. Keep us, Father. May your face continue to shine upon us and bless us as we look to you and as we fear you and revere your name and hallow your name as we walk with you in this life, in this world, in this community. Thank you again how you brought the numbers down in this community. We know you are in control of what's going on in this world with this virus. We know tomorrow you could just take it away. It could just vanish, be removed completely from this earth, because you are sovereign over everything. So Father, please be merciful, be gracious to me as I now come to preach your word. Pray and ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this morning we're going to continue in Psalm 33 and we're looking at resting our hearts in God. And I think this is a great time for us to, to be encouraged, to be challenged, to be exhorted to rest our hearts in God. The fact that you're here this morning is a visible indication that you are resting your heart in God. It's not just finding a quiet time and, and going and reading your Bible, and that's what it means to rest your heart in God. Praying is resting your heart in God. Having fellowship with someone is resting your heart in God. The fact that we yeah, like I said, we are resting our hearts in God. But we need to ask us the question, are we truly resting our hearts in God? I don't see your heart. I see you externally. I see the visible church. But what does God see? The invisible church and your heart. What does He see? Does He see a heart that is resting in Him alone? And hopefully we are resting our hearts in God. Is it easy? No. It requires discipline. It requires discipline to find time to sit at the feet of Jesus, who said, all who are weary and heavy laden, come to me and I will give you rest, rest for your souls. None of this is easy. We are so often distracted from the things of the world. But if we want to be strong and courageous, then we need to find the time to rest our hearts in God. This is exactly what Joshua did. Joshua, in Joshua chapter 1, there were four to five times he was told, Joshua, be strong and courageous. Joshua, be strong and courageous. 
And the only place that Joshua could go to, to be strong and courageous and to rest his heart in God, was to go to God's word. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened, and do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And Jesus said, Lo, I'm with you till the ends of the earth. What a great God. We can rest our hearts in Him. Like I said, it's not easy. And I remember when I was around Joel Beakey, this great man of God, he once gave me a scripture verse, and it was Psalm 27, verse 14. Wait for the Lord, be strong, and let your heart take courage. Yes, wait for the Lord. That's what we want to happen in our hearts when we rest in God. We want our hearts to grow in strength and our hearts to be encouraged or encouraged. So before we look at our second reason why we can rest our hearts in God, let me just briefly recap our first reason, which I preached last Sunday on audio. And the first reason why we can rest our hearts in God, because God is sovereign over His creation. God is sovereign over everything that is going on in this world. Nothing catches Him by surprise. And verse 9 of the psalm helps us to see that. For He spoke and it came to be. He commanded and it stood firm. The waves stop where they stop because God has commanded them to stop. But are we resting in God? Are we resting in our Creator God? And for me, and for all of us, to know that God is sovereign over His creation should cause us to sing praises to Him. The fact that you wake up and that you're alive and you can read and pray in the morning or when you go to bed, we should be singing praises and thanking God for His creation. Thanking God for sparing us. But there's another reason why we should shout for joy in the Lord, O you righteous Praise befits the upright. Give thanks to the Lord with love. Sing to Him a new song. And the other reason is because, verse 4, for the word of the Lord is upright. And all His work is done in faithfulness. His word is true. This Bible is the authoritative word of God. It's the absolute truth for our lives. It's a... It's a God's word is a lamp to our feet, a light to our path. It gives us direction, it helps us, it guides us, it gives us understanding. That's one thing when God saved me that grew in my own life, is understanding. God gave me a lot of understanding in things I didn't understand. Death, where do I go when I really die? We can look to God and His creation and we can trust Him and His word. Because in His Word, we are told that He is sovereign over His creation. And God has given us the heavens and the earth for us to enjoy. And verse 6 says there, For the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. By the breath of His mouth, all their hosts. And the reason, verse 8, Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of Him. Well, not, in, not everybody does. Not everybody on this earth fears the Lord. And we have an, a responsibility to be a witness 
to witness this great God who is sovereign over creation into the lives of people. Because David did say that the heavens declare the glory of God. The reason for that is that God's creation, God's earth, points to Him as the Creator God. And we're there to tell people about this God, about who made this world. We didn't have to convince them, we didn't have to persuade them in a way and make them believe us, but we can sow seeds. We can plant seeds. We can hopefully turn people's minds to, wow, I didn't know that there is such a great God who spoke everything into existence. I think it was Francis Schaeffer that said, if he had an hour to spend with someone and share the gospel with them, the first 45 minutes would be in the Old Testament and the other 15 minutes would be all about Jesus in the New Testament. Why God? Who is this God? And Jesus said, I'm the way and the truth and life. No one comes to God, the Father, but through me. So we've got to wake people's consciences up about God and who He is. And the reason why we need to fear God and honor Him is because He is worthy to be praised. He's worthy to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and because of your will they existed and were created. We, I say this sensitively, but we should be so encouraged that our God is sovereign. Because when He frustrates the plans of the peoples, when He brings the counsel of the nations to nothing, when He brings this virus upon this world, we should be encouraged and not fear, because our God is sovereign over His creation. That, that should comfort us. Is it easy? No. Because we get distracted by what people are saying around us. We get distracted by people sending fake news, lying. We need to know that the counsel of the Lord stands forever. The plans of His heart to all generations. God is sovereign. And He is unchanging. Can we rest our hearts in God? Yes, because He's sovereign over His creation. Let's be encouraged by that. Let's look at our second reason. And this is where we want to spend a little bit more time. Is on our second reason why we can rest our hearts in God. And the second reason is from verses 11 to 22 down in Psalm 33. And the second reason is because God is sovereign over His people. If God is sovereign over His creation, and He created us in His image and His likeness, then surely He is going to be sovereign over us. If we look back, and we break up the Bible into the Old Testament and to the New Testament, we see in the Old Testament how God was sovereign over His people, Israel. Did they do anything for Him to care for them? Did they do anything to, to know this God? To be in his love and his care? No. They were the fewest of all people. God chose them because the Lord loved them. And he chose Israel to be a nation so he could be sovereign over them and care for them and love them and help them as they were called right from the time of Abraham right through till Jesus came. 
But we know stubbornness, stiff-neckedness, sin, rebellion, I can do it my way, I don't need you, God, gets in the way. And they stumbled. And we now know in the New Testament, under the New Covenant, God continues to choose a people for Him to be sovereign over. And that's the church. The church is His people. And, and how, do we deserve this? How do we get to know this God? How do we get this God to, to love us and to care for us like He does? It's nothing we did. We're unworthy. There's nothing we can do. But God, being rich in mercy because of his, of his great love, there you see His great love, His love upon Israel, now His love upon the church. Because of His great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ, by grace we have been saved. And we know God Himself would make the two, that's the Jew and the Gentile, into one new man. And there is now one new man, the church. God wants to continue to be sovereign over a people, to care for us and to help us. And it's only by God's doing that we are His people, and the Church of Christ is amongst His churches and us. Are we resting in God, knowing that He is sovereign over us, that there's nothing we can do to win His love or His sovereignty? He chose out of love to love us and to care for us. And when you read this psalm, when you look at verse 13, the Lord looks down from heaven. He sees all the children of man. God sees all that is going on today, tomorrow, the future. God is all seeing, all knowing. He knows what's going on in our hearts, in our lives right now. He sees. He knows what's going on in the non-Christian's life right now. He sees everything. You look back at Genesis chapter 6. The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord regretted that he had made man on the earth and he grieved, it grieved him to his heart. So the Lord said, I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the land, man and animals and creeping things and birds of the heavens, for I am sorry that I have made them. Imagine if that verse stopped there. That's it. The earth wiped out. Man wiped out. But you know why God didn't? Because He made a promise in Genesis 3.15. I'll put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. God made a promise that a man Jesus would come who would bring a people together through his blood where we would worship his Father in spirit and truth. There was a promise. God made a promise right there in Genesis 3.15 and that should comfort us to rest our hearts in this God who is faithful to his word. Because verse 8 of Genesis chapter 6 says, But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord, because Noah was a righteous man. If people say this COVID-19 is going to wipe the entire planet, it's not. Because God has kept the people for Himself. Until He comes, 
and destroys the world with fire. But to know that God sees everything, we can rest our hearts in Him. And the most beautiful thing is in spite of our wickedness, in spite of the wickedness out there, in spite of our unfaithfulness, God remains faithful to us. And God keeps saving people in spite of what people have done or are doing to His name and to His creation. Just look back at Paul's life and we will continue with Acts, Lord willing, next week. And we see Paul, this murderer. Now God saved him. There's nothing we do. There's nothing we can do. It's all because God was rich in mercy and His great love with which He loved us even when we are dead in our transgressions made us alive together with Christ. That's what He did in Paul's life. That's what He did in my life and your life if you are in Christ Jesus. God keeps His promises. He sits on the throne. He looks out on all the inhabitants on the earth. He knows what's going on here in Robertson and he cares for his church. He loves his people. We need to believe that and we need to rest in his love and his sovereignty, knowing that he is sovereign over us. But look, look at verse 16 and 17. The king is not saved by his great army. A warrior is not delivered by his great strength. The war horse is a false hope for salvation. And by its great might, it cannot rescue. In our terms, no matter how powerful we are, no matter what wealth we have, no matter what we have collected over the years, it cannot save us. It cannot help us. Our possessions, it's all a false hope for salvation thinking that can help us through this time. Thinking that it can rescue us. Let's take our trust off our physical things and put them on the heavenly things. Let's fix our eyes on Jesus where He's seated at the right hand of His Father. And let's take our eyes off the, off the earthly things and fix them on the heavenly things. And let's trust Him. And rest our hearts in Him. Because in Jesus we have all the spiritual blessings in the heavenly places in Christ. And who are the ones that God is watching over? Verse 18. Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear Him and those who hope in His steadfast love. Those are the people that are resting their hearts in God, trusting God, walking with God through thick and thin, obeying God, submitting to Him and His teachings, not being wise in their own eyes or running around doing their own thing. The eye, behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear Him and Him alone. Will we turn to God and hope in His steadfast love. Put our hope and trust in Him. 
He's the one that can deliver our souls from death and keep us alive in famine. He's the one that is keeping us alive through this virus. And if you haven't, hasn't kept a Christian alive through this virus, that means they've been saved not from death, but through death. And they're going to be with the Lord. They, they're better off than us. To live is Christ, to die is gain. And we can say that quite um, flippantly sometimes. But do we, do we really mean that? If we went to a doctor tomorrow and he diagnosed with us with cancer to say you've got three months to live, how would we embrace that truth? To live is Christ, to die is gain. But if we rest in our hearts in God through our daily lives, if it's in prayer, having fellowship, coming to church, allowing God to grow us, we will embrace to live is Christ, to die is gain. Better than someone that just comes and goes, does as he pleases. If we are in the scriptures and we are allowing God to minister to our hearts, we'll read scriptures like nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. We are not called to be passive in the Christian life. We are not called just to sit back, let go and let God. We are called to be active. We need to come to the Scriptures and, and train our hearts to rest and wait on the Lord. He alone is our hope and our shield. It says that in verse 20, our soul waits for the Lord. He is our hope and our shield. None of this happens passively. We're active. We, we've got to find the time to, to sit down at the feet of Jesus and allow Him to teach us so that our heart, verse 21, that our heart can be glad in Him. And it should be glad in Him because we can trust in His holy name. Christianity is the only religion that we read about our God being faithful to His promises. Only God we can really and truly trust in. All the other religions are work righteousness. If you do something, your scale goes up, or your scale comes down, you, you never know where you stand. But we know that God alone is our hope and our shield. And we can, we can hold fast to this if we are walking faithfully and humbly with our God. Not perfectly. God uses us through our imperfections. I look at a great man like Daniel. We know that a king signed a document that if anybody was caught bound down to another God but him, they were going to be thrown into the lion's den. What did Daniel do? Did he panic? No. A visible indication that he rested his heart in God was shown in him praying. That's who his trust was in. He found rest in God. He continued to pray. He continued to, to trust that God is sovereign over creation and sovereign over his life. And, and, and 
true to verse 33 or Psalm 33 he was delivered from death he was delivered doesn't mean now every time we do something faithful and right with God we expect him now to deliver us and to help us it was God's will and purpose for Daniel at the time to rescue him there were times when God rescued Paul and there was a time when God did not rescue Paul and he died a martyr there were times when God rescued Peter and there were times when he didn't and Peter died a martyr alongside his wife but we can take this fact is that I will never desert you nor will I ever forsake you so that we confidently say the Lord is my helper I will not be afraid what can man do to me and our heart should be rejoicing in that truth Someone said this about the rejoicing heart in verse 21 of Psalm 33. The rejoicing heart is the product of trust which rests on what the Lord has revealed about himself in his word. And if we're in God's word, we can find great encouragement in the fact that we can rest in his word and in him because it's the truth. And we can rejoice in that. There's no shifting sand. God doesn't lie. God is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. He's, he doesn't change. He's unchangeable. We look at Jesus before he died on the cross. He found rest in his Father's will. Jesus said, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours. Be done. Jesus found rest in God his Father. We have a choice. We can either walk out this door and continue our own way and the same way or we can hear what God has to say to our hearts and turn to Him and rest our hearts in Him. I think of another great man in, in Ezra chapter 8. Ezra had the opportunity to take some Jews Israelites and their children back to Jerusalem and he had spoken to the king and told the king this great God he serves and how he's watching over them etc etc and when it's time to leave and at the, at the river at Ahava they realize that they're not going to be safe they can't go back to this king and ask this king for protection. For I was ashamed to ask the king for a band of soldiers and horsemen to protect us. Again, he can't put his trust in men and horses to rescue them. So what does he do? He rests his heart in God. Huh? They fast and they pray. They seek protection through the sovereignty of God. He is sovereign over His creation and sovereign over His people. So we fasted and implored our God for this and He listened to our entreaty. How do we know that? Well, we go there. The hand of our God was on us and He delivered us from the hand of the enemy and from ambushes by the way. Will we heed to the psalm? Will we rest our hearts in God, knowing He's sovereign over our lives.
So these two reasons that we looked at this morning, we touched on the first one briefly, God is sovereign over His creation. And this last one that we looked at, God is sovereign over His people. Will we be encouraged to rest our hearts in God? Will we trust God? We should. I'm going to bring up this verse again when we come to the Lord's Supper. But there on the cross, Jesus died to forgive our sins. He shed His blood for us. To, to bring us to His Father through Him. He died as, in our place. Substitutionary atonement. He died in our place as our substitute. We deserve to be nailed on the cross for our sins. But there Jesus died on the cross to forgive our sins. So that He can help us. Because when we look to Him, in Him is hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. But when He says this, Come to me, all you are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest for, my, for your souls. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my, my, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Surely this promise of come to me, all you are weary and heavy laden, come to me and rest your hearts in me. This is what Christ accomplished on the cross for us. For us to rest in Him. There's no more work except to trust and believe. And keep on believing. Will we turn to this great truth? Will we turn to our Lord Jesus Christ? Knowing that we can rest our hearts in His wisdom and His knowledge. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for Your sacred word, the sacred scriptures. Thank you that they're there to encourage us, comfort us, also to rebuke us and to correct us, but also to train us in righteousness. Thank you that your word is breathed out by you and it's profitable to help us. But forgive us, Father. There are times when we are not resting in your sovereignty, knowing that you are sovereign over this world, knowing that you are sovereign over us. Help us, Father, to, to please turn away from the things that we trust in. They cannot help us but to turn to you, our rock, our solid foundation, and trust in your word and in you alone. Father, please be merciful to us. Help us to think on where our trust is as we come to the Lord's Supper. Please, Father, help us. Be merciful to us. When we go out there today, and into the week, no matter what comes our way, may we be reminded that you are sovereign over your creation, that you are sovereign over us, and we can rest our hearts in you. Allow you to help us. Allow you to teach us through whatever's going on, whatever affliction, whatever difficulty, or whatever good thing comes our way as well. Father, please help us all. Help us all to work together in love and to pray for one another. And to stimulate each other to love and good works so we continue running this race so we can finish it. Not first, not second, not third, that we can finish it together, yoked with Jesus. Father, be merciful to us. Pray and ask this all in. His precious name. Amen.